Alexander Snitker, libertarian, republican, and political hack, and Adrian Wiley, born-again anarchist and political has-been. Banter, lather, and joke about current events while attempting to figure out whether to keep trying to salvage our constitutional republic or just stock up on marshmallows to roast on the smoldering embers of society. It's time for Unattended Baggage. Why, thank you, Ledge. Hello, everyone in Podcastville or Internet Land or wherever you may reside. This is Alex, co-host, Unattended Baggage. Along with me is my radio life mate, the man, the myth, the legend, Mr. Adrian, chairman of the Building Materials and Projectile Staging and Logistics Committee of Western Florida Guild of Professional Anarchist Local Chapter 151. Wiley, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, man. How about yourself? Eh, you know, having one of those having one of those okay. days, I guess you could say. Good broken record, man. I'm sorry, man. Yeah. Uh, oh. It's not okay. <laughs> it's not it's, okay. It's not okay. It's not okay. Hold on. Why did you write it's not okay? <laughs> right. um, so I'm in a restaurant. Uh, this week right yeah and uh you know it's uh i just stopped for lunch uh you know and i was there by myself right and the waitress comes up um while i've got a mouthful of food like they always do all right and she's like uh, everything okay you know right when you're mid-eating yeah yeah and it always happens i mean it happens all the time if you're sitting I there i think they plan it now nah, if you're sitting there eating a meal you know the odds are when they come and talk to you you're gonna have your mouth full because you're stuffing your face you know what i'm saying so yeah, i guess it's, so. it's not really the wait, waiter waitress's fault it's just you know the nature of what it is so rather than uh you know wait until i finish chewing or anything like that or try to you know speak with my mouth full i just gave her the okay sign Oh, right. And I immediately thought to myself, shit, I just I just, you know, outed myself as a white nationalist <laughs> by yeah. putting up the OK by side. Putting up the okay side. And the worst part was it was a sushi joint and the waitress was Asian. Well, did she look at you funny? No, not even remotely. <laughs> but the, the what I it thought was all you the, the, the what I thought was <laughs> funny uh, from my perspective was the fact that I thought of that. Yeah. And it goes to show you how pervasive these absolutely ridiculous, uh, you know, things that uh, people try to convince you of symbols and things like that. It's like, you know, everybody's been doing the okay symbol for, you know, as long as anyone can remember. And now all of a sudden it's white power when you do it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's I like, mean, I don't, remember, I don't know how long the OK symbol's been around for, but I felt like it's been... It, this week also. So I, that was on my mind, right? And so my mom texted me, and we were talking back and forth. And then, at, you know, at the end of the conversation, I told her I was going to stop by. And uh, at the end of the, uh, the text conversation, she sent me the OK emoji. Oh, gosh. So I couldn't help myself but to respond back, WTF, white power, question mark. And she's like, huh? And she probably doesn't even know what you're talking about. And I'm like, Google it. And she was like, oh, my God, I couldn't believe that. You know, and it's just I just find it fascinating how quickly uh, something like that can be converted, you know, and it happens a lot more frequently these days. I think with the advent of the Internet, it's much more it's much simpler to convert the meaning of a word or a symbol or a phrase or something like that. And it happens so regularly now, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It's like words that we took for granted and symbols and, and things like that are now have a completely different meaning almost overnight. 
you know I, I just i find that as a, a fascinating thing on on how you know the mind of of society collectively works but and how yeah, it changes yeah and i and i'm one of those guys who would resist all these things tooth and nail but even now i find myself second guessing when i give the okay symbol you know well, just because of everything you've heard now, though, and everything right. you've seen, right. like it makes you go, it makes you and pause it's, it. It's probably ridiculous because I guarantee you, if I, you know, do that symbol a hundred times, uh, ninety-nine of the people are going to think, "Oh, he, he was saying okay," you know. Oh yeah, no, it's it's <laughs> right. Honestly, if somebody has a problem with it, it, probably says more about them than about you. Exactly, exactly. But still, it's it's something we I guess start depending thinking on about. context. You know, right? Like I always give people a thumbs up now, like, and I don't know if I just do that wait. subconsciously. Just wait. Sooner or later, the thumbs up is going to have some different connotation. I already have, these, well, I have a theory as to what that connotation will be. <laughs> well, in sign language, it can mean shit if you pull it out from your other hand. So. Oh. <laughs> anyway, uh, what do you think the thumbs up will eventually be? Um, it'll be uh, against women. Okay. Because the thumb will represent the rule of thumb, which was used as the, the width of the stick that you could beat your wife with. Oh, I got gotcha. you. I got gotcha. you. Or under someone's thumb oppression yeah you know but yeah that's too vague i, I think it does need to be either race-based gender-based well i sexu- figured the first one was the first one i said was gender-based, gender-based yeah. yeah so that's that's probably a good one that's an so. anti-woman thing yeah uh so you wrote here uh, that you uh were in a conversation with ray and you kind of went down a rabbit hole and of course i love a good deep rabbit hole so i want to hear this uh, this story about how this came about all right so we were out there kind of just talking uh, last night. and You and Ray. Me and Ray and John. Okay. And um, it almost came up of like, man, things are so, you know, more polarized now. And right. everything's more, you know, everything's worse in some aspects, you know, when it comes to interactions with people and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, I would say that, yeah. And... <sighs> Though in real life, it's not nearly as bad as we perceive it to be from our internet world. Yes. In interacting with people on a daily basis, I don't run into these problems, you know. But, no, 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 absolutely. But you still think about them because of everything that you see on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. And then, But also, like, the there's news. some there's some real-life interactions that are a lot more, like, everything's a lot more political and polarized and stuff like that. Right. And so I wanted to go down the rabbit hole as to almost not... You could go back further than this, okay. but I wanted to start here and then kind of work forward from this point. Okay. So I wanted to start with Ruby Ridge, and okay. I almost said that basically that the the newest incantation. Well, hang on a second before before you go on. Uh, there may be several of our listeners that don't know the story of Ruby Ridge. So why don't you give like the right, you know so one minute? Synopsis. Let me give you the, the synopsis of Ruby Ridge, which I did last night too. So the synopsis of Ruby Ridge is. There was a guy by the name of Randy Weaver who lived in Iowa who was completely, and this was like in the 80s or 90s, early 90s. No, no, I'm sorry, early 90s. I thought it was Oregon. Well, no, he lived in Iowa. Oh, he okay. moved. Uh, he moved. Uh, he moved over to to Oregon. Okay. In the woods. Right. So, but he 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 completely hated what was going on with society. Wanted to get away from all of it. Just wanted to be left D- alone. D- didn't like the government, the New World Order, all that other kind of stuff. Even way back then. Yeah. So he took his family to a cabin in the woods. Essentially. Yeah. yeah. Now and look, Randy Weaver wasn't necessarily a racist, but Randy Weaver didn't hate racists either. Right. right? So when he goes to this place way out in the middle of the woods to get away from the government, basically, he is close to a white a racist group that's out there that meets and stuff like that. And they were basically his neighbors. Right. 
And so, and they probably shared some things in common about their distrust of government and all this and that, right? Right. And so Randy Weaver would go out to these things. Well, little did he know, the FBI actually had undercover agents that were at that place trying to entrap people. What a shock. What, yeah, what a shock. And what they did with Randy Weaver was is they asked him to saw off some shotguns, which is, to, you know, totally illegal. You're not allowed okay. to do it. So, which he wasn't doing before, but... The government agents asked him to break the law. Yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. And so in order for him to make a couple bucks, he decided he was going to do it. Right. And then they entrapped him and they tried to make him a snitch uh, for the white nationalist group that's there, for the racist group that's there. Right. And he wouldn't do that. And so he went basically went back into his house and stayed up in there. And the FBI came, tried to raid the house. Again, these guys are armed. Uh, they end up getting in a firefight with the with the son. They end up sniping the the wife. Right. Like government really did a bad job here. Killed half his family. Yeah, yeah, killed half his family. And the government did it. Not only did they do a bad job here, but they were found negligible. The the surviving members of the Weaver family got paid a lot of money from the government right. for wrongful deaths and for this kind of stuff and scared the crap out of them. But it also caused a grouping of people who had severe distrust for the government something very tangible that they can point to. Right. Uh, along with Waco, which was uh, around the same same time period. Well, and in, and then also, I was going to get into Waco, right? But with both of those things that happened at the same time, you had the rise of people, and on a very very small level, the rise of people like Alex Jones, right, and like Timothy McVeigh, and well, again, we get into this part of it as well. But these guys are pointing out very ch- things that really happened, right. You know, and going down what they what people were saying was wild conspiracies that later turned out to be having at least hints of truth to a lot of it. Half of all conspiracy theories are half true. And that's the thing I kept pointing to last night was right. Half all conspiracy theories being half true. And it gave to the rise of Alex Jones being able to kind of point all this stuff out and talk about the new world order and talk about like a lot of these conspiracy theories that again come out to be that there's hints of truth to all of it yeah and grow a lot of exaggeration but um you know it's it's kind of like a tv movie you know based on a true story yeah yeah but you have these people around the country that have been growing and growing and growing because they've seen all of the bad things that the government's been doing right and the culmination of that, look, I think you had a lot of those people involved, like in Perot's campaign, um, in uh, like Ron Paul's campaign, in certain like uh, alternative candidates, whatever you want to call it. Right. Yeah. You know, non traditional candidates. Mixed in with that is, again, the government had undercover people that were doing things that were trying to instigate problems. And in order to instigate those problems, they were, you know, working to. Oh, they they still do that to this day. Yeah. I mean, it, there's not any type of controversial group out there that um, at an event doesn't have at least a handful of law enforcement, uh, very often FBI, that are instigating, not just, you know, participating and monitoring and watching, but are the ones saying, yeah, let's let's do this. Yeah, let's riot. Yeah, let's throw a firebomb. You know, that sort of thing. Yeah. They're, they're, they're really, just like the, the case with Randy Weaver, it's like, hey, here's some shotguns. Can you saw off the barrels for me? You know, we'll pay you a lot of money. Yeah. He wouldn't have done it if it wasn't for the fact that, you know, it's, it's a classic entrapment, which doesn't apply anymore. Well, and then you have people that are pointing this out over and over again, which leads to some backlash. 
the first backlash, and again, it, it, it doesn't excuse the behavior. So I want to make sure I say this right off the bat. It doesn't excuse the behavior, but you have things like the Murrah building in Oklahoma City that right. gets bombed by Timothy McVeigh. Yeah. And his was Which a, was absolutely a terrorist act. Completely was. Yeah. So, but at also, the same time, blowback's a thing. It, it's predictable. It's predictable that when you have the Ruby Ridge and you have the Waco, you're going to have, uh, you know, uh, you're going to have backlash. You're going to have blowback. You're going to have consequences to that. Yeah. yeah. And you also now what did the government know and when did they know it kind of thing, too, when right. it comes to even things like that, where these guys got undercovers and informants and things and all these different groups and organizations and stuff. Sometimes you can't say that they didn't know about it and let it happen so they could re- react to it. I, I question that about 9-11. Now, I, uh, first of all, for, first of all, I, anytime you talk about 9-11, um, planes hijacked by terrorists absolutely hit the World Trade Center and the Pentagon. Okay, absolutely. Those buildings fell on their own. They weren't detonated. Um, having said that. It wouldn't surprise me if there were, you know, parts of the intelligence community that had a lot more information about this. I mean, these guys weren't like the most um, technologically savvy type of individuals, you know. (laughs) So I'm sure the intelligence community knew a lot more than they told us they knew. And then the question becomes, was it just pure ineptitude and negligence that they didn't prevent it? Or did some folks say, well, let's roll the dice and see what happens? Yeah. You know, sometimes it's roll the dice and let's see what happens. Maybe and don't, we, let it, and don't let a good crisis go. May, maybe maybe we get a, enough of an event where we can go start a war that we've always wanted to have that you've yeah that we've yeah. always wanted to have. Yeah. So, so now. So but the culmination of this is, is that guys like Alex Jones over the years have been getting more and more and more popular. Right. Look, in the beginning, all he was doing was like TV shows on local cable access news. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like he got to start doing it that way, like just getting local access, local you know cable access, local. And, and programming to be fair, and stuff. Alex Jones has said some things over the years that are just absolutely ridiculous, stupid. Okay. Oh, he, he says a whole lot of stuff. Yeah. Some of it being good, some of it being bad. Right. And half of it, what he does, is complete showmanship. Uh, it's entertainment, but. On some occasions, he does get it right. Well, or, half or, conspiracy theories are right, all half true. Exactly. So, and going yeah. back to that part. Yeah. But the, the thing is this, though. That makes you question everything that's going on. Like, I mean, maybe it doesn't make you question at all, but any big event that's going on, you automatically will have questions as it relates towards like what really happened. Well, yeah. And, yeah, and yeah. hold on. Let me bring this to January 6th. Okay. On January 6th, there's no doubt that the government was not prepared with enough troops on the ground or whatever you want to call it or security people that were guarding the Capitol. Right. Unarguably, like it's a transfer of power kind of day where they're doing the electoral college, more of a ceremony kind of thing. But still, there's uh, still a there's still a, a facade of a transfer of power at that. OK, I see where you're going with this. And I would have to say that I don't think that the Capitol Police could have predicted the way that turned out in far enough in advance to really make a difference. I Hold think, on. They could have been... Per- Look, for as many people that were up there, as for as contentious thing as it was, you're going to tell me that you, you were you were woefully unprepared for 
the people that were there. Yeah. Like, yeah. no matter what, you should have had more people. Whether it was going to go, look, they, you're right. They couldn't have predicted people storming into the Capitol. Right. But you weren't ready for it if it was even remotely a possibility. Right. But having interacted with the Capitol Police on a few different occasions, I can tell you that, honestly, they're one of the most constitutionally conscious law enforcement agencies, if not the most respectful of constitutional rights of all law enforcement agencies in the country. I I will say that without question, because I have been, uh, you know, on the steps of the Capitol in front of the White House in in a few different protests over the years, huge protests. And I got to tell you, the Capitol Police were always totally cool, totally respectful. Even when things got a little out of hand, they didn't overreact. They never reacted to anything. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that that is kind of in their DNA, that they're there to allow and protect people's First Amendment rights while simultaneously protecting, uh, you know, the, the, the halls of government. Okay, but at the same time, the FBI and all these groups right. had informants that were in all these organizations that were Instigating there. Instigating it. Instigating it. Yeah. Like, they knew what, not only did they know what was going on, but they kind of were part, I mean, some of them were actually kind of part of it. Yeah, yeah. You had a blowhard politician who felt that he was wronged in the election and they were really trying to push Pence to do something that Pence knew he wasn't allowed to do. Right. And but you got you got to remember but, also that it was the president of the United States who was instigating this. All those law enforcement agencies boss was the one instigating this. Well, yeah, and so I don't know how I mean, much that... I, he was again, a lame duck, but he was still president of the United States. So, you know what I'm saying? It's like, it would be different if they had a mandate from the president to protect the Capitol. But in this case, the president was the one... But all those people knew that the new boss was coming in, though. Right, but still. Like, there's no... There was no... Like, this was such a... like. <sighs> well, well, bring it home. Uh, the reason yeah. I bring it home is this. Is that since... Again, when you have the actual riot going on in the Capitol... And you have the guy I mentioned again, Alex Jones, right. standing in front of the Capitol saying, don't go in. It's a trap. Right. <laughs> that is a good point. And then to see what has been done with this incident, like how the Democrats have used this day to their political advantage. Again, I'm not saying that they... I'm not saying that these politicians knew what they were doing. Like, it's not some cabal where they all knew what they were, what was going no, on. They didn't plan this in advance. None of this was no. planned in advance. But if you lay out the tinder box and oh, then yeah. it bur- and burns up, yeah, then you take advantage of the uh, the outcome, and which is what they've done. Yeah, but then you have another side that's willing to excuse it all, right? And the reason that they're willing to excuse it all is because you look back at I at, at instance after instance of the government doing things that they shouldn't have been doing with right. Ruby Ridge, with Waco, with the Gretchen Whitmer thing. Like the, 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 the FBI was involved in that. Like there's so many things that the FBI and the government has been involved with and has pushed forward. How can you just believe them on their face? Because, right. and then at that point, guys like Alex Jones, who was only on cable access, you know, before the internet, really, you know, before the proliferation of the internet and social media and stuff, who then gains major prominence 
because right. of that. Yeah. And so everybody's, you know, a lot more people are listening to the guy. A lot more people are hearing him. And he's able to point things. Again, he's able to point things out that were true, that did happen. Right. Now, is it lizard people and all, the turning the frogs gay, even though the turning the frogs gay was a thing? Like, <laughs> well, he it, may be crazy. And, you know, look, look, amphibians uh, have been known to uh, to actually change sex. Uh, you know, when there's when there's not enough males around, uh, females will turn into males or vice versa. So, yeah, like, that's a normal thing. And that was just stupid. The frogs gay. I, yeah. And the Sandy Hook stuff was really, really bad. That oh, he, you yeah. Know. Oh, God. That was horrendous that they were all actors and nobody really died. Yeah, that was just horrible. horrible. But at the same time. When you look at horrible all, that it was false. I yeah, mean, yeah. everything Alex Jones was saying about Sandy Hook was absolutely false. But when you see like that proliferation over time and how it got like it's again, I don't Trump may have been the match that burnt that started it all. Right. But he wasn't the one that was adding the kindling. No, the kindling was being added over the course of, you know, decades. Right. Of right. what people have witnessed and seen and stuff like that. But and even more so because of. Look, because of social media, because of the internet, now that information is to be able to get much wider out there. Right, right. But I do find it funny that those people who were concerned about all that government overreach ended up following a guy who was probably the one who would abuse it as much as anyone else. You know, well, yeah, that's the irony. The irony part is the people that they wanted they have. a guy in power that would do anything to abuse his power that he could. Yeah, I mean, that's another part of it that is just that yeah. I don't I don't necessarily the guy who on understand. day one as president said, well, why? Why can't we use the nukes? Why can't we just nuke them? Yeah, like just <laughs> it, it was just one of those things where when he said it, it just came to it, it, like all of this different information kind of like just flowed into me at one time. And right. I just had to and I had to lay it all out. Yeah. Yeah. Which, don't I mean, get me wrong, was totally down a rabbit hole. But like, it's not even that far down a rabbit hole. It's it's a you know, it's. <laughs> Again, it's an algorithmic uh, analysis in retrospect, and you see these patterns. If if you have this, then you're gonna this is gonna happen, and if you have this, you know, and and that's what's happened. It's it's all an algorithmic process that led us where we are today, and it's completely predictable. Everything in reality is completely predictable, especially in retrospect. In a lot of cases, you can even predict moving forward. And one example I'd like to point out of that is. Michelle Obama being the presidential, the Democratic nominee in 2024, which I predicted in April. I was the first one to, to say that. Didn't hear anyone else say it. But guess what? Now other people are starting to say it. Yep. So uh, a, a, a source says that in conversations with a foreign politician, it emerged that their government assumes Joe Biden will not be the Democrat nominee in 2024. Joe will pull out before the first primaries. It will be too late for a grassroots candidate to enter the fray. An establishment stooge will be crowned at the convention. And the name of the lucky winner, Michelle Obama. Yep. It said it's a wild scenario, but if it does happen, please remember that you read it here first. No, 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 you didn't. But you heard it from Adrian Wiley you did on hear Unattended it from Baggage on April 1st, 2023. Not by uh, Tim Stanley in, uh, yesterday. <laughs> so, yeah. But, uh, yeah, it's, it, this is going to happen. And I've been, you know, saying that I was ready to make that bet. You know, or, 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 I, I, I've been telling you for four months now that I would make that bet once I saw one or two more indicators, right? Yeah. One or two more steps along the algorithm of reality. One or two more little blips of the matrix that I sometime catch a glimpse of. Yeah. Okay. 
I'm ready to make the bet. So you're ready to make a bet right now. Now, yeah. this is separate from the Pence bet. This is separate from the Pence bet, yeah. The bet is now Michelle Obama is the Democrat nominee Not in 2024. Not necessarily the Democrat nominee. What I'm saying is that Michelle Obama will compete in the general election uh, for the Democratic Party. Because I wouldn't that mean that you're the Democrat nominee, though? Not necessarily, because I there's there's three possible scenarios. Okay, the first possible scenario is that uh, Joe Biden gets out early in the uh, the primaries in the caucuses, and then Michelle gets in. Okay, and she comes in late, but uh, if he goes out, uh, a lot of those caucuses would have to throw to you know someone else. You see what I'm saying? Okay. And, and those primaries would have to go to someone else. Um, so either he gets out early in the process, early enough for Michelle Obama to come in and be the nominee. Because right now, there's no legitimate uh, competitors other than RFK Jr., and he's not going anywhere. Um, no legitimate competitors to Joe Biden because nobody competes against an incumbent for reelection. Okay? It's yeah. just not done within a party. So either he bows out early and she does become the nominee. I think the more likely scenario which i could be wrong on this part but he wins the nomination and then says uh health issue got to bail out um and the democratic party appoints a replacement and the appointee is michelle obama now there's a third possibility is that they put michelle obama on as vice president on the ticket and uh you know, he either bails out before the the general, or he bails out right after reelection. But I think that is the most unlikely. Uh, but I do think that the probability right now is about sixty percent that Michelle Obama is the next president of the United States. So I'm not willing to make that bet, but I will make the bet that she competes uh, for the uh, for the uh, in the general election. Okay, so she competes as the Democrat nominee in the general election. Yes. I'll make that bet. Uh, can I can I have as either president or vice president? Because a vice president on the ticket initially is a scenario that I could see happening. So, hold on. Let me make sure I get this right. So, you're saying that in 2024, when you go to the polls to vote in her the general name, election, her name will, her be, name will be either as president or, or vice, vice president. president. Yes. All right, I'll take that bet. All right, deal. All we right. got a sil- another silver dollar bet. Yeah, yeah. So you, I, I, I'm surprised at this point that you're still thinking that's not plausible. Now that we have the bet, I, I'm going to tell you, you know, exactly why you're you're crazy to take that bet because this is going to happen. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. I feel safe right now on the pen side of it. Right. So I feel so safe on the Pence side of it that I'm willing to go with a little That's bit a, of a... It's a mistake to be feeling safe on the Pence side. I, ju- I just think I'm, I'm feeling safe on DeSantis the Pence side. DeSantis is toast. Just toast. I mean, he he won't even get anyone to work for his campaign at this point. That's how bad he is. So he's out. I doubt he makes it to, what is it, New Hampshire, South Carolina. Who's first these days? For the Republicans, it'll still be Iowa, New Hampshire. Uh, it's still Iowa, yeah. and New Hampshire. Okay, so the uh, Dems changed theirs to South Carolina. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's what it was. Uh, but he, he won't even he won't even be around for that. I don't think. Uh, Trump's going to be in jail. Who's that leave? Yunkin. You know, the Indian dude. I just don't think it's going to be. I don't. There think ain't it's no way be. in hell that Republicans are electing an Indian dude. I just. <laughs> What's think, his name? 
Ra, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, I think is his yeah, name. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, no, <laughs> no. Republicans ain't doing that. <laughs> I mean, you got Tim Scott in there. You got Nikki Haley in there. You got some other characters. That yeah, you can have but, in there, they're, but they're always runs, and they never perform. So, Well, Tim Scott's not an always run. His first time. Oh, is, I thought he's run Same before. with Nikki Haley. This is the first time. Really? Yeah. Well, they're always in the discussion for it, it seems. You know, I think you're mixing those up with some other maybe also I ran. I, I, I thought they were also rans the last couple of times. No, no, no. Okay, but anyway, we got the bets in. We, we, uh, you know, I've seen enough. I've, I've glimpsed enough of of the matrix to see that uh, these are very plausible future scenarios. So, yeah, I guess I don't know. No. I, I don't, I don't, I don't think so. But yeah. again, when I saw the Michelle Obama thing, I was like, you know what, man, we'll go. I'm gonna go with this bet though. <laughs> All right, so. Uh, it, it, where do you want to take us next? Do you want to go into the the thing that I did a bunch of math on, or do yes. you want to anything? Anytime, anytime you do a bunch of math on something, <laughs> that means first hour. Okay. <laughs> All right. So I saw this article uh, that says uh, U.S. awards 1.2 billion dollars to Oxy Climate Works led carbon air capture hubs, and what this is, it's a uh, basically a big factory with a bunch of fans, and it sucks in the air and and pulls the carbon out of the air. And I'll read a little bit from the article here. Uh, the U.S. Department of Energy on Friday announced that projects in Texas and Louisiana to remove more than 2 million metric tons of carbon emissions per year will get over $1 billion in federal grants, a key step in scaling up direct air capture technology. So these are essentially uh, carbon dioxide scrubbers for the atmosphere. Okay, So the, the uh, Department of Energy has uh, provided a $1.2 billion, with a B, dollar grant to eventually remove up to 2 million metric tons of CO2 every year. Okay. I thought, man, that sounds really stupid. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And the reason that I um, uh, it, it thought that was really stupid, because I actually know about a, uh, a technology that a lot of people in government apparently don't know about, and that's called trees. <laughs> There's these things called trees, and they actually remove carbon dioxide from the air and produce oxygen. Good thing, right? Yeah. Same, same thing this $1.2 billion facility does. And oh, and by the way, the $1.2 billion facility, um, its eventual goal is to get up to 2 million metric tons of carbon dioxide removed from the atmosphere per year. But it's going to be 2030, or 2029 or 2030, according to the CEO, before they even get to 1 million metric tons. Okay, but let's put that aside for a second. Let's say that, yeah. you know, by 2030, they're going to get to 2 million metric tons. All right. So so I started doing some calculations. Well, how many trees would it take to achieve that, that same thing? And what kind of trees would we need? Well, uh, and where would you put them? Okay. Right. Yeah. So the first thing I found out is that uh, probably your best bet for a tree that grows pretty much anywhere in the country um, and uh, takes a lot of CO2 out of the atmosphere and is quick growing is the, the Leyland cypress tree, uh, which absorbs about 130 pounds of CO2 per year at maturity per tree. And they grow well across about two-thirds of the U.S., including the Southwest, so you can plant them anywhere. Uh, they have a growth rate of four feet per year in height and three feet per year in, di in circumference, diameter. Um, and or No, it must be in diameter, maybe not circumference. Um, and they reach maturity in six to seven years. Okay, uh, so we're talking a, a target of 2029, 2030. Um, so how much, 
how many trees of these Leland cypresses would it take to remove 2 million metric tons of CO2? Well, it would take a lot of them, 34 million, okay? 34 million trees, sounds like a lot. But at an average forest density of 160 uh, trees per acre, that only works out to 200 and uh, roughly 230 acres, or 230,000 acres. Oh, I'm sorry, 212,000 acres. Uh, so you need 30, 33 to 34 million um, Leland cypress trees, which would require about 212,000 uh, acres of land. Um, and where are you going to put them, right? I mean, 212,000 acres of land is a lot of space, right? Yeah. Well, the federal government owns 640 million acres of land. Acres of land. 640 million. So basically, we only need 228,000 or 212,000 acres of land out mm-hmm. of that 640 million. So the land would be free. The government already owns it. All right. Well, how much would the trees cost themselves? Well, the Leland Cypress seedlings in bulk run about $8 each. Yeah. Okay. So uh, 33 million uh, trees, 34 million trees. You're talking a, a cost of, of about, we'll just round it out, $300 million. Yeah. Okay. Um, so how long would it take? to get these trees to maturity. Well, they'd start from the moment you planted them, they would start removing carbon dioxide from Mm -hmm. the atmosphere. But how long would it take for them to get to that two uh, metric tons per year of uh, carbon dioxide removal? It would take about six to seven years. Okay, so the exact same time frame that the $1.2 billion project would take to get to half the carbon dioxide removal. Um, So... Uh, and the cost, I figured the cost of management is maybe about $10 million a year. Well, the government, the U.S. government, plans to buy $65 million a year of carbon offset credits from this company that's building the factory. So we can literally build this forest factory. That's what we'll call it, a forest factory for one quarter the price of this actual you know, factory that is is an eyesore, a giant thing of metal and plastic and oil yeah. and gas and all this stuff. Instead, we could plant trees, you know, and it would cost about one seventh of the total amount to manage it. OK, every year. So uh, it, it's just amazing. And not only that, which is more green building a literal factory or, or planting trees, planting trees. Yeah. Which is more cost effective? planting trees which creates a habitat for little woodland creatures planting trees which costs less planting trees you know what's more effective planting trees what is fully operational quicker planting trees it's amazing that we allow government to do these incredibly stupid things and the irony is i'm like a guy who doesn't think that man-made climate change may or may not even be real uh-huh. and i'm the one presenting these kind of ideas which are just if you're trying to remove carbon is a far better idea on by every single category and yet the environmentalists and the climate change people are all saying oh look at this factory look at this giant thing of plastic and steel we've cut down trees to build <laughs> i mean it's just how stupid. How dumb can you? Be? Right, right. <clears throat> and the funny thing is, is that by saying this, both the left and the right hate me. Yes, everybody. You know, hates you for everybody that. hates you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, 
you just can't win when you lo- lo- use logic. You yeah. know? Oh, exactly. No, but no, yeah, I just, don't. I mean, every time, so folks, every time you hear about one of these carbon scrubber projects or something like that, they're building this giant factory to pull CO2 out of the air, just remember that trees do it cheaper and more effectively. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And we can put it on land that the federal government already owns. All right, so another interesting article I saw this week. <laughs> It was an exhibitor was removed from the Wisconsin State Fair after cow is named after old racial slur. Okay. Okay. And I really wanted to find out what this racial slur was. But, uh, you know, in the article, they won't say it. And I did an exhaustive Google search to try to figure this out. Let me read from the article. A cow at the Wisconsin State Fair named after an old racial slur for black people has led to the removal for uh, of the exhibitor from the fair. A man attending the fair posted a photo on to social media of a sign displaying the cow's name, and it was noticed by Milwaukee community activist Vaughn Mays, who shared it with his thousands of followers on Thursday. David Blake of Pewaukee told WISN he snapped the photo because he was taken aback by the slur. It's one of those words, one of those few words that should be totally off limits. I mean, there's the big one that we all know, and I think that's on the same level. <laughs> so, okay. So, at least I think we've established there it wasn't the the N-word, okay? But it was. What word was it? <laughs> they don't say, and I can't find these photos anywhere. It's like the photos that these guys are referring to apparently have been scrubbed <laughs> because I can't find them anywhere. So it, now, it, be, the way this article is written is it, it, it me the reader, and I don't know if, if most people would do this. I'm going out of my mind wanting to know what it said. Yeah, what's the name? So now, and here's the thing. So it actually had the opposite of the intended effect because now I'm going through in my head every racial slur that I can imagine for black people. You know what I'm saying? I mean, hold on. You still can't find the name? I haven't found the name. I have no idea what this cow was called. Yeah. And it apparently is a one word because it wasn't a phrase. Okay. So, uh, you know, I, I think we can, and again, I'm just saying these in the context that these were racial slurs that were once relatively common. Uh, it, but I can, I can't think of a single word, uh, other than the N word that would have been offensive. I mean, there's, there's phrases like, and forgive me, but porch monkey, spear chucker you know things like that but those are two word phrases but the point i'm trying to make here is that the way they wrote this article if they just would have said what the slur was i wouldn't actually be racking my brain for racial slurs right now but you but you couldn't find the i couldn't find it yeah i could not find it anywhere and it's just one of those things it's like and and my point here is that when you go this far out of your way to mask what the the word is you force people to drudge up all these things from the past that like i haven't thought of these slurs you know in in the course of my daily life for decades 
You know, <laughs> now I'm like racking my brain trying to figure out what the slur was. And it's like if you just said it, it loses all its power. But they go so far not to say it, not to show it, not to show a picture of the word that it actually has the opposite effect. You know, I don't understand why they would do that. You know what I'm saying? It's like you give these things more power when you do it that way. You know what I'm saying? You're looking right I'm now. I'm looking for yeah. it right now. You can't find it anywhere. You know? Like I'm watching the WISN News. <laughs> yeah. I guess they won't show it I there. searched for it. I, I tried going through both these guys' social media. The the guy who originally posted, I couldn't find it. You know, so I think it's it's been totally scrubbed. I, maybe I just missed it, but, uh, you know, it, it's... <laughs> what's the word, folks? You know? And again, see, now I'm thinking it. You're thinking it out there, you know, what, what word could it possibly be? You know, <laughs> you got any ideas? No, no, okay. I don't. I mean, but we wouldn't even be having this discussion if they had just used the word. We would go, oh yeah, yeah, that's a terrible word. They shouldn't use that, you know, but the, the fact now that they didn't, now we're actually having this discussion. You know, and I blame the media for this. The, the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, if you had just said it, or WISN, uh, if you had just said the word, you know, or showed a photo of the word, we wouldn't be having this conversation. And, you know, that my point is, is a lot of times that by going so far out of your way not to address these things, you're actually exacerbating it. You know what I'm saying? Because here we are. What's the damn name? (laughs) Right, exactly. What's the damn name? (laughs) Why would you not leave the name there? I can. Can you think of any? I mean, I. I, Again, that's the point. That's the point. We can't even think of the word that they might have used, but now because they didn't tell us the word, we're we're thinking about it. (laughs) You know? Yeah, I don't get the. I right. I mean, what's the word though? I, I I don't know. You know? Yeah. Oh, oh, I wonder if it was, and I don't even, this used to be a, uh, I think it was a derogatory term, pickaninny. I'm pretty sure that's considered derogatory at this point. You think that might be what the word is? That's that's the only one word, you know, or mulatto maybe. Yeah. Is that, again, I don't know. I just, I don't understand, you know, (laughs) these what it could possibly be, and and I, I don't honestly even know what is considered offensive and not offensive these days. You know, in, in a lot of cases, you know. So, by by, here's the thing. It pisses me off. Would you yeah. tell me the name? Right. And here's the thing. If they just said the name, even if I didn't personally know that that was considered offensive by some people, then I would know. I would say, oh, okay. I didn't realize that was considered offensive. Now I'll stop using it. You know. <laughs> yeah actually i i don't use any of those words but i'm just saying it's like I, I here i am right now not even sure if if what the the you know the the connotation is to a lot of these things yeah yeah but again it's just some of the ways that we approach this have just they've gotten stupid let's just talk about it let's talk about it if we say okay look this word is considered by many people to be offensive you know, you shouldn't use it in, in, in conversation. You know, it shouldn't be a word that you use. And I'd be, like, okay with that. I get that. I just, know? I, I, I got to know the name, though. Right. Like, I got to know. We're not going to know the name. Because they no. won't tell you the name. 
And again, like and you couldn't find a picture of it, though, huh? No, I, I couldn't find anything anywhere, even though they said that's how this uproar began was someone posted a picture. Um, uh, hang on. Uh, this mulatto offensive. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. I, honestly, I, I don't know. Um, it's considered outdated and, and offensive. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Piccaninny is. Um, and I'm not even sure how to spell that. Um, offensive and dated. Yeah, a, a small black child. Uh, so, yeah, it's... Uh, again, it's... <laughs> have Look, have this conversation say the word so us ignorant white people can figure out what is offensive and what isn't this this is the weirdest thing folks we we in a lot of cases we're not sure you know we don't know we're still using the okay sign for okay you know yeah obviously these are are things we don't know so if you want us to be more sensitive you kind of have to tell us what what we're not supposed to say you know what words we're not supposed to use otherwise we don't know <laughs> we we just heard old old people saying this you know we didn't know <laughs> we don't know these things <laughs> this is the weirdest thing I what know. a weird ass story that was it really is all right take us somewhere else all right, next, okay so we're more talk about the heat wave uh, so uh they said record hot temp ocean temps could turbocharge the hurricane season says noah yeah yeah, well, uh, say uh, NOAA scientists a Thursday forecast this year has a sixty percent chance of above average hurricane activity, up from their previous estimate of a thirty percent chance. That's actually interesting because so far this hurricane season has been very, very uh, quiet. Yeah, you haven't yeah. really had anything big. No, nothing, happen. nothing uh, even threatened the uh, uh, U.S. coast. So uh, typhoons uh, in the uh, uh, in the Pacific have been a little bit active this year. Oh God, how about Maui, man? Oh my gosh, right oh, though, that's just horrible. Now, there's Absolutely all horrible. kinds of stuff about the Maui stuff out there, right? Oh, now. man. Yeah, like the, a bunch of people died. and I, I think the last count was 80 confirmed dead, and there's still hundreds yeah. unaccounted for. Thousand, a thousand unaccounted uh, for. A thousand still unaccounted yeah. for? Wow. That's, uh, that's uh, just so tragic. But, you know, it's, it's funny because I, a, a wildfire is normally a not a rapid threat, not an immediate threat. Normally, it takes time. But in this particular instance, they had a typhoon offshore with, you know, 80-mile-an-hour wind gusts. Yeah. And you start adding a, a wildfire and those kind of winds, it's a firestorm, man. And, and that is – it's no wonder so many people died because that can be on you in just, you know, seconds or minutes. Oh, yeah, no warnings yeah. whatsoever and all kinds of stuff. Right. Yeah. Normally, you know, if it's a, if it's a calm day, a, a wildfire is something you can pretty much walk away from. Yeah. You know, uh, but yeah, in, in those cases, that's just a hellscape. And some of the videos I saw from people who were like in the town recording it at the time. Yeah. I wonder if they survived because some of the videos, it's like people were surrounded by flame. <sighs> yeah. I, I mean, you would assume they survived because the video was uploaded, but they might have been live streaming or something like that. You know, I, I mean, just to. Not just a really bad situation. Yeah. Tragic stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, our. That's one of the risks you take when you live in per- perfection like fucking Hawaii. Well, that that sort of thing can happen anywhere, you well, know. No, that's true. So, um, hey, uh, you know, we all talked about uh, jobs being taken over by AI. Uh, looks like uh, one of the first jobs to go, journalists. <laughs> what, a, what a shock there, huh? Yeah. You know, um, news corporations' uh, profits plunge 75% 
And the media giant is now turning to AI to replace journalists. Uh, They said uh, higher newsprint costs and foreign currency fluctuations were among the reasons for the decrease, but said it was optimistic about the remarkable opportunity of AI. So what they're looking to do now is essentially replace reporters with AI-generated news. And, (laughs) folks, I'm telling you, man, AI, the thing about AI is it actually is not very good, and this is what we keep learning over and over, is distinguishing truth from lies, okay? And what we found is with a lot of the uh, the chatbots, chat GPT, OpenAI, things like that, is their accuracy rate continues to fall with the more information they require or acquire. So the more they learn, the less likely they are to provide accurate information, tell the truth, essentially. Yeah. So you're going to have AI that is producing news that can't distinguish uh, fact from fiction, and that's going to have a real consequence in (laughs) getting even more fake news. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, because there's, we get a lot of, and I hate to use the term fake news because it's been so magnified, but... You know, what we've shown on this show over and over again is that when you read the news, you really have to parse it. You have to dissect it. You have to um, figure out what the spin is, what's the lie, what's the truth, you know, what's uh, what are they not telling you? Yeah. And with AI, it's going to be, I think, even worse. Well, you know, but don't get me wrong. When you look at the next article right there, maybe you need AI, <laughs> right? Because and here's the, OK, so here's the title of it. Elon Musk's SpaceX rocket rips a hole in the Earth's atmosphere? Yes. Creating a red glow in the sky? (laughs) Yes. Okay. And I saw this very similar headline in a a lot of different media publications. So essentially, they're saying that this rocket broke the sky. (laughs) That's what it's insinuating with what it says. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So what happened is, is, uh, you know, this rocket, uh, when it got into the ionosphere, uh, it actually interacted with the ionosphere and created a plasma, you know, charged particles in the atmosphere, in the upper atmosphere, um, which is exactly what the upper atmosphere does. It's the ionosphere is the reason that we have, for example, the aurora borealis, the northern lights. That is, it interacts with the energized particles coming from the sun, uh, which our magnetic field drives to the poles, and that's why you have northern and southern lights primarily. But essentially, it created a little spot of a plasma, um, which you know, essentially is just the ionosphere doing its job. There's no, absolutely zero repercussions for this. There's no long-term effects. But every, They're trying to insinuate that there is, though. Yeah. Every single article, the headline was, Essentially, Elon Musk broke the sky, (laughs) broke the atmosphere. It's either in this one, it's rips a hole. Uh, Other ones were, you know, tore a hole. Uh, You know, there were several articles like that. And all of them go through this. And it's like the first several paragraphs are like, it did this, it did this, it did this. And then you get to the bottom and they say, oh, well, that's pretty normal. You know, that's what they do. (laughs) <laughs> you know that that's what we would expect to happen and it's not a big deal but 
you know, they they put it out there at first as if, like it, like Elon Musk is destroying the world. <laughs> yes. SpaceX is, you know, a, a, again, it's just the way they report on these things are just so ridiculous sometimes. And anyone who, you know, has at least high school level physics will understand that, oh, yeah, well, that's kind of what happens when you, you know, send a rocket through the atmosphere into space. But they're preying on two things. One, ignorance. Right. And two, the fact that people only read the top line. Yes. Yes. And also the fact that hating on Eli Musk, Elon Musk and SpaceX is totally in right now. Oh, yeah. No, that's the thing. Yeah. So, again, it's just... Yeah, God forbid we tried to fucking, you know, populate another planet. <laughs> right, right. Well, granted, Elon Musk has done some really, really stupid things lately. Just, he's a, every time he opens his mouth, I fucking cringe. It's like, just shut up and fucking get us to Mars, okay? Yeah. Make, make, make electric cars and get us to Mars, okay? Yeah. You shut, just do those two things. Shut the hell up with this Twitter X thing. You know, yeah. sell that damn company, get the hell out of there, do what you're supposed to do. And stop talking. Stop posting on social media. Yeah. I just it, focus, man. I need right. you I need you to focus. Stop buddy. challenging Zuckerberg to cage matches. Yeah. Which is <laughs> I guess it's still on. <laughs> yeah. Who cares, man? Yeah. Just just stop. Just stop. Yeah, I don't need that. Stop look. Unless you, it's a cage match on Mars. You've got a you've got a purpose in life, dude. Stop acting like you're a B-list celebrity on a fucking reality TV show. Yeah, you yeah, know? that's where the ego kind of gets you, gets in the way. Right. It's like next thing you know, I'm going to see Elon Musk and Tanya Harding on the same show. You know, with a, that would be a, sad. Danny Bonaducci. That would be <laughs> yeah, that would right. be incredibly sad. exactly. Yeah, but that's literally the 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 path he's going down. But you know, I, I can also understand from his perspective. Like, he's doing these amazing things with SpaceX, and then he wakes up in the morning and sees every headline is that he broke the sky. Yeah. I mean, I could, that, that could annoy you, too, though. Right. Yeah. I, I just... Uh, he's like, I can't win for losing, so I might as well just be the character that they want me to I be. I guess. Yeah. Maybe maybe you take that approach. You know? I guess. It's, it's, just, it's hard to say, but... You know. <laughs> Either way, I need you to focus, buddy. <laughs> right, right. Please just, focus. Just uh, save us, okay? <laughs> save, save, save the human race. Yeah. Uh, speaking of the human race and uh, how we may or may not be alone, uh, this Harvard scientist, uh, Avi Loeb, uh, who I've been watching for a while, uh, claims he may have uncovered proof of alien life, and he's going to reveal it next month. Now, that annoys me. Why? Why wait a month? Uh, well, I think that, yeah, I, I don't know. But uh, basically what he has is actually materials that they've recovered from the bottom of the ocean uh, that are apparently absolutely not man-made. They're absolutely engineered materials that are were not created by humans. So uh, it, it'll be interesting to see when this comes out, if, uh, if it is in fact confirmed. But, uh, yeah, it does seem I, – I'll give you that. The fact that he's like, hey, I've got proof, and I'm going to show it next month, you know. Yeah, that just kind of annoys me a little bit. Yeah, like, I, I don't, I, I I don't that. like that. I get I, that. I, I instantly have a weird feeling now. Well, and, again, it's it's part of the whole celebrity thing. This this guy is in the process of becoming a, a celebrity, um, and it's almost like he's playing into it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it, just give us the information. Yeah, man. some don't smell right here. Yeah, yeah, but uh, it, it, you know he is 
he is a qualified individual. He's a, a you know a, a tenured Harvard professor. Uh, he has been working on this. He is you know uh, fairly well respected. So hopefully this is a legit thing. But uh, we'll see. Hard to tell. Yeah. Hey, how much time we got left? Uh, we got. Uh, oh, we only got about five minutes. Okay. Oh, do we want to get into the man that was killed in the FBI raid? Uh, yeah, we'll go ahead and do that. We'll one. do that one now. Yeah, we'll we'll save the. Oh God, the we we got so much on police interactions this week. Well, and, this oh. is kind of like the start of it, though. I mean, because this is a police interaction. <laughs> well, we'll we'll go ahead and, and yeah, we'll, we we got time to cover this one. All right, so go ahead. All right, so the FBI shot and killed a man in Provo, Utah, early Wednesday while serving a warrant after he allegedly threatened to kill President Biden and other government officials. The agency said. Agents were serving a warrant, uh, an arrest warrant on Craig D. Robinson following his alleged online threat against Biden, according to a 30-page felony complaint signed by a judge Tuesday. The complaint included a screenshot of Facebook posts allegedly made by Robinson, one of which read, the time is right for a presidential assassination or two, first Joe, then Kamala. Um, and then uh, Biden was expected to visit Salt Lake City, Salt Lake City, less than an hour's drive from north of Provo. And then he also wrote this. I hear Biden is coming to Utah, digging out my old ghillie suit and cleaning the dust off of my M24 sniper rifle. Hmm. Uh, that sounds like a threat, man. Yeah. The FBI. I mean, that's something you, that's something the FBI needs to respond to. Absolutely. By yeah. the way, like and I, that's the thing. Like when I when I saw this, it's almost like, well, did the FBI overreact? Yeah. Uh. But at the same time, well, if you're saying I'm going to get my ghillie suit out and I'm cleaning off my sniper rifle, here's and I'm going to kill and I'm going to assassinate the president. I got to tell you, man, that seems like you're going to do here's, something like here's that. Here's what I don't know, though. How did they approach him? Did they kick in the door with the SWAT team, or did a, a few FBI agents knock on his door? Yeah, that's really they the not. Difference. They haven't really said too much about that. Yeah, right now. I, I didn't see that part of the the article. Now, here's the thing: I would have no problem. With uh, two, three, four FBI agents showing up at this guy's door, knocking, and say, "We want to have a chat with you." Okay. Yeah. That that would be totally acceptable under the circumstances. However, if they just came in guns blazing, that's a different story. You know. And again, it doesn't really say. Um, okay, hold on here. So the FBI began looking into Robertson on March 19th, according to the complaint. An unnamed social media company set a sent a tip to the FBI that someone with Let's the username guess Facebook. Uh, Winston Four Eagles had posted a threat to kill Manhattan District Attorney Alvin Bragg, who was prosecuting a case brought by a grand jury against former President Donald Trump. The same day, the two FBI agents went to Robertson's home and asked him about the tr the social media posts. They saw him wearing a hat with Trump embroidered on the front, the complaint said. Um, uh, Robertson admitted to agents that his username is Winston Four Eagles. When an agent asked about the Bragg posts, according to the complaint, Robertson replied, I said it was a dream before adding, we're done here, don't return without a warrant. Uh, agents uh, wrote a complaint to Robinson, appeared to be referencing a dream. So, it, look, this guy was really walking the line on this, and if you're going to say something like this, man, expect him to come guns a-blazing. Right, right. And he also said that, uh, it, uh, he, he said this was a while back, uh, he said, uh, why are your FBI cowards not kicking in my door? Know this, they will die. And you know, eh, maybe uh, maybe that's a decent argument for uh, <laughs> man. I got to tell you, man. Like this guy, you look. You asked, you asked for it, man. Yeah, yeah. You were you were definitely poking the bear, but uh, thinking I, they weren't going to come in there and shoot you, folks. That is it for hour number one. If you'd like us to jo like to join us in hour number two, go to. 
patreon.com forward slash unattended baggage. That's patreon.com forward slash unattended baggage. We still got a whole lot to talk about, but if you sign up, become a subscriber, you get hour number two and a bunch of free swag. So we'll see you on the other side. 